Well, good morning. All right. Well, it is good to be with you and with you. Um, so my name's Mike McGarry, and I am the youth pastor here, and it's good to be together as the people and as the family of God, and um, I am excited to be sharing with you from God's Word in Psalm 67. So would you uh, bow your heads in prayer with me as uh, we prepare to receive God's Word? Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we ask that you would, Lord, that you would spring up a spirit of thankfulness and worship within our hearts. God, that Thanksgiving is not just a federal holiday, it's not just a New England tradition. Lord, that it is a Christian posture towards our Heavenly Father who has been so good and faithful and generous to us. Lord, it's our response to the gospel of grace that we have received that from you which we could not possibly deserve or earn. So Lord, help us Father, to remember once again the riches of your blessing towards us. Lord, help us to receive them in accordance with your purposes. Lord, not that we would hoard what you have given, but that we would return it to you and for the blessing of others. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Sorry. So, Thursday is Thanksgiving, so guess what we're talking about, right? Uh, and I think it's appropriate to uh, conclude a sermon series about prayer by talking about thankfulness of these prayers of Thanksgiving that we offer to the Lord, because none of us really intends to view prayer as our wish list, like our Christmas wish list to mom and dad. And <clears throat> now prayer is just our wish list to our Heavenly Father. Um, and sometimes that happens. It, it just happens by accident. Uh, for whatever reason it happens, sometimes when we come to the Lord in prayer, sometimes that's just what prayer has become. Uh, but we want to lean into prayer by offering prayers of thankfulness, prayers of thanksgiving to the Lord, because he is so good to us. And so uh, none of us really intend to feel entitled. Entitlement is kind of a dirty word uh, that none of us would claim or choose for ourselves. But sometimes I think when we approach the Lord in prayer, we do. Thank you, my dear wife, um, who told me before I came up, you should get some water. I said, I'll be fine. 
Once again, she was right. But don't tell her I said that. Right? None of us intend to pray uh, with a spirit of entitlement, um, which says, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. But sometimes that can happen. Uh, and Psalm 67 undermines and undercuts that attitude. And so, uh, as I've been preparing this message this week, one of the reasons I've struggled in putting this message together is because I kept looking at this psalm, which we're going to read in just a minute. I kept looking at this, this psalm thinking, there's got to be something that I need to explain in here. And it's just a really clear and simple psalm of praise and of thanksgiving to the Lord. And we don't need to complicate things that are simple, do we? And so uh, my goal is not to help you understand what you're missing, but to proclaim something that's really simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Um, But to help us think through what does thankfulness look like beyond the Thanksgiving cliches, okay? So let's read together Psalm 67. For the choir director... With stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us, so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy, for you judge the people with, fa- with fairness, and lead the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has produced its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Amen? And so I think it's helpful to remember that the smaller font that is technically verse zero uh, is actually in the Hebrew text. That's not something that the translators put in there like a Bible study, like a study Bible note that they put into the text. That's actually in here as the subheading for the psalm because this song was not intended for congregational singing. A lot of psalms in the Bible was basically the hymnal of the synagogue, that this is what they would sing when they gathered for worship. Uh, This psalm is introduced for the choir director with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. And inserted in the text, we see this word salah, right? That's kind of offset on the side. That means that this was a song to be sung to the people, for the people, but not necessarily a corporate song that the worship leader would lead for everybody to sing together. So it's something that we would probably consider either a song for the choir to sing, or it would be something like special music. Um, And so they would sing this, 
in celebration after the harvest. And we can see uh, throughout the song uh, about a prayer of praise, of thanksgiving, of the way that God has blessed us, that God has given us a generous harvest, and we want to praise the Lord for his faithfulness to Israel in order that all nations and all peoples would praise the Lord. So, uh, that is the heartbeat, that is the heartbeat of this psalm, uh, that we, it points us and directs us to the God who blesses, right? It points us to the God who blesses. And verses 1 and 2 simply say, may God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Uh, this is a very clear call out and shout out back to the Aaronic blessing to Aaron, who is Moses' brother, uh, the first priest of Israel uh, during the Exodus, during their wanderings throughout the desert, and where Aaron blesses Israel with these words in Numbers 6, 24 through 26, where he says, and this is going to sound very familiar if you are um, have a history in church at all, where he says, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. You see the similarities between Aaron's words to Israel and the psalmist's words in celebrating God's faithfulness to his people. And he's very clearly taking what Aaron was blessing the people with and saying, God has done this. God is doing this. God will continue to do this. That we worship and serve a God who is inclined to bless his people. And so, whereas Aaron was blessing Israel, the psalmist is applying that same blessing not just to Israel, but also to the nations. And this is reminiscent of the psalm flowing out from a generous harvest season. Farmers know, don't they, that they can only do so much for the crop to grow. They, they can do something. They can till the soil. They can remove the rocks and the thorns. They can fertilize. They can make sure there's good irrigation in place. But the farmer can't actually make anything grow. The farmers can't make the rain fall. The farmers know that they are reliant on nature doing what God designed nature to do. They are reliant on the Lord. Israel had a framework for understanding that God is the one who provides. And they easily could have just said, well, nature's just doing what nature does. And so I had a good harvest. This farmer down the road didn't have a very good harvest. They should have been more responsible. They should have worked harder. 
And how often do we take for granted what we have? What income you have? What jobs you have? How your stocks did? How whatever you have or whatever you don't have, do you recognize that as coming from the hand of the Lord? Really? Or is it the product of your own work and of your own labor, of your responsibility, of your education, of you working harder than others or just having more opportunities than others and you recognize and you're thankful for the opportunities that you've had that maybe others haven't, but you took advantage of them. And so now you have more, right? And so there are all these ways that we can think about the stuff we have as something that we have done. And that doesn't mean the farmer can just sit at home and not till the soil and not pluck the weeds and not do what they need to do for a faithful harvest. In the same way, that doesn't mean we can just be lazy and just mediocre workers and then say, God, why aren't you providing for me? Right? Work hard, be diligent, but recognize that your blessing, that what you have, the struggle even, that it, it is from the hand of the Lord. And give thanks. Psalm 67 reminds us that Israel was always blessed in order to be a blessing to the nations. The Great Commission where Jesus commands his disciples to go and make disciples of all peoples on the earth, this is not a New Testament idea. The Great Commission is entirely consistent with the Old Testament. And Psalm 67 declares the Great Commission to Israel. That it was always about the nations. It was always about all peoples of the earth. It was never just about Israel. We only need to look back to Father Abraham had many sons. I always feel the need to sing Father Abraham had many sons. We look back to his calling in Genesis 12, uh, 2 and 3, where God calls Abraham to himself and makes this promise. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. From day one, the calling of the people of God was always about the nations. It was always about the peoples. It was always about bringing those with different skin tones, with different languages, with different cultures together around God's Thanksgiving table saying, isn't God great? So, this is also a not-so-subtle reminder about your faith promise commitments. Missions board, I got you. 
Right? God's people are never blessed just to keep that blessing for themselves. How are we demonstrating that to our children from a young age? How are we modeling for the next generation a commitment and a desire not just to send missionaries and not, just, not to just give money for missionaries who are over there, but to actually minister to and love and welcome people of all nations, of all skin tones, of all languages who are near us. To have a disposition of the Great Commission. To care for and to love those who are like us, who are similar to us but somewhat different, and those who are very different. To gather around in the family and the people and the church of Jesus Christ and to say we are brothers and sisters because of the grace of Jesus. Amen? This is just biblical. This is the mission of the church. So what happens when I don't feel very blessed? Anyone feel that? Right, heading into Thanksgiving, heading into Christmas, it is a notoriously difficult season. Some of you might not be looking forward to some of the people who you're going to be seeing on Thursday. Some of you might be talking with your other Christian friends saying, pray for me because I'm going to see my family and we don't always get along. Especially after everything that we've navigated in these last two years. There have been some really difficult and painful conversations on almost every level. We've all experienced some really difficult and conflicting trauma in life, really. And it can lead to friction. So what do I do when I don't feel very thankful? Some of us might struggle with thankfulness, feeling like God has forgotten me. When I pray, there's just silence. Have you ever forgot, felt forgotten by God? It's horrible. Christians sometimes refer to this as the dark night of the soul. And if you've experienced it, you know how dark that night can be. And if you haven't experienced it, I just want to let you know that sometimes this happens to faithful, good Christians. There's not something wrong with you. Sometimes we navigate this dark night of the soul and just feel like we're, we're praying and it just bounces right back to us in silence and there's just, I'm just getting nothing from the Lord. I'm still reading my Bible. I'm still going to church. I'm still praying. I'm still trying to hold on to whatever I can of my faith, but God's given me nothing. What is going on? It's hard to feel thankful when you're in the dark night of the soul. It's hard to feel thankful when you can't see God's blessings through your pain. 
when your life is marked by pain and trial and suffering? This can take many forms. It could be loneliness. It can be unemployment. It can be physical pain, a bad diagnosis in a medical condition. It can be grief of, and loss of a loved one. It could be your, your mental health just really struggling and deteriorating. And sometimes it can be hard to see God's blessings and to be thankful because my pain is all I can see right now. It's hard to be thankful. Sometimes it's hard to be thankful because we just look around at those around us and we feel like I deserve more from God than what I've gotten. God, I love you. I'm following you. I'm being faithful to you. And these people explicitly hate you. And they have everything while I'm over here struggling to hold on. What the heck? And we wouldn't want to call that a spirit of entitlement, but I don't know what else to call that. Sometimes we can feel that way, and it's not, it doesn't have all of the negative baggage that that word always has, but that is what it is of feeling like I deserve more. God, I deserve from you something that you haven't given me. I'm entitled to more than what you've given. So I don't want to give any easy answers to any of these three reasons. And I know that there are more reasons why we can struggle to be thankful than, than these. These are just what came to mind while I was writing my sermon. So if you're thinking, well, that doesn't describe me. You're putting me in a box. I'm not putting you in a box. I just didn't think of the reason that you might be struggling with thanklessness. And that's okay. Because guess what? We're all different, right? Our circumstances are different. These are just a general framework to help us process and recognize that as, as a preacher, it's easy for me to stand up here and say, hey, be thankful. Isn't God so great? And it's easy for you as a congregation to nod your head and say, yes, he is. And then to leave and to be like, that was a nice sermon. And then you just move on. And it was just a nice sermon. But it didn't really mean anything. And I don't want to do that. I don't think you do either. So I want to encourage you to take this very simple psalm and to read it. Maybe read it every day between now and Thursday. And ask the Lord to show you the reason why you might struggle with thanklessness. Help process, maybe with a spouse or a sibling or a family member or a friend, about what does a spirit of thankfulness look like for you in your real-life circumstances. So instead of giving easy answers, I just want to invite you to lift your eyes to the cross and to recognize that Jesus understands what it feels like to be abandoned by the Father, to feel like God has forgotten you. Jesus gets that. 
He has drunk deeply of the cup of suffering. If that's where you are, Jesus understands that. And he literally received the exact opposite of what he deserved. He received everything that we were entitled to, that we would receive grace, which is something that we don't deserve. That's the gospel. The gospel is the proclamation of God's grace for us. If we deserved Jesus, if we deserved salvation, if we deserved to become the sons and daughters, the children of God, then it's not grace, it's a paycheck. But the gospel is not a paycheck. The gospel is not, you're so good, you've earned this much. The gospel is a message of God's grace and loving kindness for sinners because God is love. So, whatever reason you might be struggling with thankfulness or thanklessness in this season, Jesus understands. That's not just an easy answer. That's not to say, oh, okay, now just put on your happy face. But to drill deep into the struggle that you experience, and you will find that Jesus meets you there. So keep your eyes on him. Even if you're in that dark night of the soul, you might not see him. He sees you. And so this brings us to my final question this morning, which is, are you a reservoir or a channel of God's blessing? Right, reservoirs receive and just grow. And a channel funnels out what it receives to a, a distributary or wherever, right? That we want to be channels of God's blessing so that we receive from the Lord and we deliver that blessing to others. And so the question for us is, how are we, corporately, as South Shore Baptist Church, how are you as a family unit and how are you singular as an individual? How do you think about the ways that God has blessed you? Do you just continue to build and build and build? Or are you funneling and channeling God's blessing to the nations and to others as you have opportunity? When we read Psalm 67, we see that Israel is committed to celebrate God's blessing and to channel that to the nations. Verses 1 and 2, again, may God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Am I genuinely praying for the Lord's blessing so that I can channel that to others? So I can send it out to build up the kingdom of God. 
Or do I just want to keep receiving and receiving and receiving without genuine intent to use what I have for the sake of the Great Commission so that all peoples of the earth would know and bless the Lord? I was talking with someone recently who mentioned uh, he had received an unexpected commission from a significant sale at work. And before the deal was finalized, uh, he had already talked with uh, his spouse and decided that if, if I get this sale, if I get this commission, uh, we are going to send 100% of this commission to a church plant that was happening in the area. Because I, I'm not just trying to get this commission, this sale for our reservoir to grow, but to funnel it and to channel it as a, an expression of thanks to the Lord for his blessing. I'm so encouraged that this is happening in real life, but people aren't, like, you're not going to go around and just say, like, hey, I made a really big sale and sent it all to the church plant down the road. Like, people don't talk about, and you shouldn't, right? But this is happening, and it's exciting, and it's encouraging that we can take what we've received from the Lord, because God is so generous, God is so caring, God is so loving, towards us and to use what we have, whether it's big or whether it's small, for the sake of the mission of the gospel. Amen? And I know that some of you might be thinking, well, it's easy to be generous when you have enough. They can be generous because they already have what they need. I can't do that. I'm sympathetic to that. I want to encourage you to consider Malachi 3.1. The only place in the entire Bible where God tells his people to test me. Where God says, I dare you to dare me. Where it says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, no, sorry. I'm starting partway through. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This is what it says, Malachi 3.1. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And so this isn't a tithing sermon. This isn't a giving sermon. But this is about your heart of generosity and of um, just craving from the Lord, right? So uh, are you building a reservoir? Are you so focused on your needs that you just want to build up your own reservoir because you're, you're so focused on what you need and of comparing what you need versus what you think others have, that you're so focused on building the reservoir that you can't give and be generous. And this is just to say, whether or not you have a lot or whether or not you have a little, we serve a generous God. And if we want to grow in godliness, if we want to grow in Christ-likeness, then we need to be generous with the stuff that we have in whatever that means 
as you deem it between yourself and the Lord. So trust the Lord with your stuff. Be generous with your stuff. That's all I'm saying. Because what gospel witness is it to our kids, to our neighbors, to others who we know, if we're really stingy people, if we're always talking about what we don't have, and if we're always comparing what we don't have with what other people have, and then we talk about how good the Lord is, and how gracious the Lord is, how much the Lord has blessed us. But what they see and hear is kind of stingy and is a lack of generosity and blessing for others. So that's my heart. Not about percentages or anything. My concern is about our hearts. That our hearts would be full of gratitude and thanks. That we would become more like the generous Heavenly Father who has showered us in blessing so much that he didn't just give us salvation. He gave us himself. That when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we didn't just get something from him. He gave us himself. That he united us with Christ by the Holy Spirit so that we receive the fullness of of who God is in fellowship with him. That is something to be thankful for. And so I want to invite you, as we did last week, to conclude this sermon with just a few minutes of silent prayer. I'll close us in two minutes, which is going to feel like two hours, because two minutes of silence especially in a public place, gets real awkward real fast. So this is your warning, okay? Uh, But I want to give you some space before you leave here to think and to evaluate your heart, to praise the Lord for his blessing, to confess the ways that you might struggle to be thankful and to receive his blessing. Maybe the things that God has given you and has blessed you with are just so normal, right? It's nothing super impressive. It's just normal stuff that you've taken it for granted. Don't. So take two minutes in silent prayer. I'm going to set a timer here on, on my iPad. So we're not going super long. I'm going to set a timer And I'll close us in two minutes. So take this time for prayer.
May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy, for you judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has produced its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. God will bless us. And all the ends of the earth will fear him. Our great Father in heaven, Father, would you help us to recognize the ways that you have blessed us? And Father, would you minister to us in the ways that we struggle with thankfulness? Father, when we feel your silence, when we're experiencing seasons of suffering, and God, when we feel like it's just not fair, like we should have more, like we should get more, like maybe you've forgotten to bless us too. Lord, would you minister to us? Would you help us to see and to recognize in ways that aren't just cliche or thin and trite, but in genuine thankfulness, Lord, to see what you have provided, to remember most of all, Lord, that Jesus Christ understands what it's like to feel abandoned, what it's like to suffer, what it's like to receive what he doesn't deserve. So Lord, help us to run to Jesus, to fix our eyes on the cross as the clearest demonstration of your love and grace and favor towards us. And help us to truly become a thankful people Lord, that you would reshape our hearts according to the heart of Christ. Lord, that we wouldn't be focused on what we have and on what we don't have, but that our hearts would be wrapped up in your heart for others. Lord, that we would live with a generous spirit. Father, that others would bless and praise the name of the Lord. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we sing in response, may 